Good to see you again. If you're our guest, good to have you with us. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for today, for our food that we have, a place to meet, uh, the freedom we have to meet. We just ask that you would uh, speak to us through your word. Remind us how important it is for us to pay attention to what it says so that we can make sure it leads us in the right direction. Father, we ask you for uh, quite a few in our church family who have lost loved ones. You continue to strengthen them, help us encourage them. And uh, Father, just remind them that you are sufficient and you can sustain them. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If uh, today is your first day, we've been going through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And we're nearing the end of it, but uh, it's been taking a little bit longer to get through these last last verses. And uh, we found out at the early service today, we're still not going to get finished today. We thought we would, but people are so slow at listening that it doesn't go fast enough. So, uh, But we're going to go as far as we can. But the main thing is it's just too important uh, to rush over it. And uh, if you went to the notes and looked at them last week, uh, Daniel put some more up this week that are, are different than last week's. It's built upon last week's, but it's still uh, some additions to it. And this is some additions uh, this week to that. So if you read through all of them, you might have a, a sense of what's going on by next week if you are here uh, to listen. So that's what we are talking about. Satan's greatest ambassadors are not atheists. Atheists, people who don't believe in God. Or uh, politicians, which, but he does use those quite extensively. Uh, we've been seeing that. I guess y'all saw what the Supreme Court just did to us, right? In the last couple of days where, you know, they made a plea that the government could not censor the news medias. And now the Supreme Court's backed up on that and said that the government can censor. Uh, so uh, we'll wait on the appeals to that. So don't pay attention to much you see out there and listen. You're listening to somebody on a a different avenue because they're going to get to tell them what they can and can't print. Like they were doing, didn't they prove that to us through Twitter and through Facebook that the government controlled all that stuff about the vaccine? So that's what they're getting. I'm not supposed to be political today. I'm sorry. It's just a fact. You need to know that. So if you're reading this stuff, make sure you understand somebody censoring it, especially if it comes from the media aspect. So you have to look for the truth in other places. And that's what we're talking about. People start looking for the truth outside of God's Word, and you come up with false prophets, and that's what we have. You know, uh, Satan's greatest ambassadors are preachers who have lost their track, not atheists or or politicians, even though he uses them, he uses anybody, but pastors who have sold out and no longer preach the absolute truth. And, uh, and, and that's what we'll actually get to next week is to, and I'll actually give you names next week of people out there now that you, some of you probably like, but when you start looking at what they teach, they're not people that you need to be listening to because they are false prophets. But, you know, the counterfeit looks so much like the real thing, right? That's why I remember our, con- our concept a few weeks ago. You're, you're back in a six-foot trailer through a six-and-a-half-foot gate. It means you only have three inches on each side. That means if you do not pay attention, something's going to get broken. You're going to break the tail light off or tail to get down or something. Here's what we're talking about. When you start looking at false prophets, and there are a gob of them out there. They were in the Old Testament. They were in Jesus' time, and they're here now. 
by the gobs of them, herds of them. And we have to be able to pay attention or you end up going through the wrong gate. And remember, these gates that the false prophets are standing at trying to get you to go through, they don't have hell written over them. They have heaven written over them. And they get you going through a gate where you think you're going toward heaven in the end. We're talking about it next week at the end where he says, oh, no, it leads to damnation. So that's why we have to be so careful. Why? Because there's so many of them out there. And they're preachers. And atheists, you tell right away where they're coming from. And most politicians, you can tell right away where they're coming from if you're paying any attention. But all these preachers, you know, if, they, if they're a preacher or if they have a doctrine in front of their name, well, surely he's not going to lie. Yeah, they will. They do. You see all these books, and you, that's why I say be always be careful. Read down at the bottom who it is you're buying. Just because they're a preacher doesn't mean anything. Please be careful, all right? Well, surely he wouldn't lead me astray. That's why you need to always back up and say, see what God's Word says about what I say. You know, one of these days I could fall off the bed and hit my head and come up here and say the wrong thing. Intentionally, I don't want to do that. But I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be just like anybody else who would sell out one day. That's why you always need to weigh it. Everything everybody says. And the great thing is we have an absolute by which we can weigh it from. God's Word. When you start hearing me say something crazy and you start looking at the Word and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, that, that, that doesn't sound right. That's exactly how you know we have an absolute. All right. That's an introduction. Y'all ready to go? <laughs> Satan's priests do not peddle a different religion, but a deadly perversion of the truth. He said, what? They are wolves in sheep's clothing. What does that mean? They look like the real thing, but they're not. They're liars. They're deceivers. Beware of false prophets. That's the verse in chapter 7, the main thing. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, inwardly are ravenous wolves. Well, they're deceptive. As we're going to see, why, why are they so dangerous? Because they lie. It doesn't really matter if it's a preacher or your neighbor. You, you need to be aware. Anyone who lies can hurt you. Dangerous. Why? Because you, you never, know what's, you never what, know what's going on. You will recognize them by their fruit. All right? Now, this is a little bit of an, an addition, because just thinking through it again through the whole week, I'm thinking, how is it? How is it that people start believing in these false concepts? How is it that these preachers who start off right end up over here totally wrong? And, you know, and I know some of them personally. But years ago when they started out, man, they were on track, according to the Scripture. Uh, one of them, uh, some of you probably have heard of him, uh, Stephen Furtick. He, we'll talk to him about him in just a minute. He's a charlatan. He's doing it for money. And, and that's one of those things about all these false prophets. If you start looking at them and you say, wait a minute, how are they all these millionaires? Why? Something's going on there. He started off all right. I remember I heard him the first time in person. I said, this guy, God's going to use him. And now he's off on the health and wealth, prosperity, jumping up and down, healing everybody. I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute, what happened? Does he have a following? Oh, absolutely. Why? Because that's what people want to hear. And that's exactly what we're going to see through this whole thing as we study it. It says what? The coming, now Paul is writing to the church there at Thessalonica, and he's been there teaching them for about a month. And now the context is he's actually talking about the Antichrist 
At the end of time, that's in the book of Revelation, you know, when all this comes down and the Antichrist comes and takes over, that's what he's talking about. But the principle that he's talking about there applies now. Yes, exactly. Because what did we're going to read the verse from John in just a moment in chapter 4 where he says, listen, you need to be careful. Why? Because the Antichrist are already among us, is what John says when he's writing the first, second, third John. You know, and this is in the, the first century of the New Testament. Coming of the lawless one, which is the Antichrist in the book of Revelation, is based on Satan's working, Satan's power, with every kind of miracle. Just because a miracle is done, don't attribute that to God. People do. Oh, it must be of God. There's a miracle. Remember, the, the Satan, has, Satan has a lot of power and a lot of demonic influence. And everything that's done in the name of Jesus is not by Jesus' hand. We saw it. You see that in the New Testament. Both signs and wonders serving the what? The lie. Deceive. Lie. Wolves in sheep's clothing. That's the concept. And with every wicked deception among those who are perishing. You know, that, that whole thing, I got to think about it. How is it, why is it people follow lies? You know, why is it people get off following all these false things? He's about to explain it to us. And with every wicked deception among those who are perishing, they perish because they did not accept the love of the truth. You know why you don't want someone to tell you the truth? Because you want to do what you want to do. And a lot of times the truth is in contrast to what you want to do. And that's exactly what he says. Because they did not accept the love of the truth and so to be saved. You know, the opposite of truth is not a lie. The opposite of truth is unrighteousness. You know, Meredith's been studying a lot of history stuff in one of her classes, and she's been talking about one of the main problems why you have tyranny is because people are afraid. Boy, is that what we see right now in our government? The way they're doing things, why? Because they're scared to death. And so you have tyranny. You know what tyranny means, right? Where the government's in control of everything. If it's not just a king, it's the government where they censor our news. <laughs> they censor everything we have. It's the same thing. That's what's going on. And for this reason, look at this. People, what, what does that mean? For this reason, God sends them a strong delusion. You know what a delusion is, right? It's a non-truth, a lie. So that they will believe the lie. You wait a minute. Why in the world would you say God is the one doing this? So that all will be condemned, those who did not believe the truth. You know what you're going to believe? Exactly what you want to believe. Remember Jesus? Lazarus dies. Rich man dies. And the rich man, uh, I mean, we have, a, we have a lot of theology in those few verses where the rich man is conscious in hell. And he, he, he sees Lazarus and he sees where he is in Abraham's bosom, which was their idea of heaven, even though it's not the final heaven. He says, oh, no, 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 I'm in torment down here. You know, if you'll just send somebody back from the dead, send somebody to, so my brothers will not have to come here. What was Jesus' response? He said, they're not going to believe that. They have the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. That's all they need. They're going to believe it or they're not going to believe it. You're going to believe or you're not going to believe. It doesn't take a miracle. 
That's why he says at the very end of this thing, he said, listen, you don't base your salvation on some miracle you see. He said, that's not the basis for it. No, no, no. You base it on the truth of what God's Word says. Those who did not believe the truth but delighted in unrighteousness. That's what Romans chapter 1 and chapter 3 talks about when it talks about how, you know, how they went off men after men and women after women. And he said, okay, I'm going to let you go. And what? They, they battled the truth not just by, they battled it with unrighteous living. That, that was the opposite. Look how it goes. These are the people who believe not the truth. It's not that they had not heard the truth. They heard it, but they didn't like it. So they chose, oh, no, no, it'd be like you and me. Well, you know, I'm doing something, and I probably know it's not right, and I talk to somebody, and they confront me with the truth, and I say, well, I don't like that because I want to do what I want to do. Aren't we all that way? Don't we all want to do what we want to do? We just want to find somebody to validate what we're doing. We find some preacher on television or some preacher out here, wherever we are. Oh, it's okay. You know, like my extended cousin I told you about, he found him a church that made him feel good. So he could drink all he wanted to, and there was no hell. So that's where he wanted. You know, that's, we find something to validate where we are because we don't want to change. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. That's exactly what he's saying here. These are people who had heard the truth but refused the truth, who believed not the truth, and they did not believe the truth. That's who they were. Those, it's kind of funny. The truth is what was the delusion. Oh, God didn't mislead them. They just didn't like the truth. That's what he says in Romans as well. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. Boy, there's the opposite. Now, a lot of people find that, well, how in the world could God be, he, how could he cause a delusion to people and cause them not to believe? How is that? That's embarrassing. How do, I, how do you say that, that God would do something like that? There's a sense in which truth itself blinds those who do not want to see it. Hello? Oh, I, I don't want to hear that. You know, you're, well, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to deal with that. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 8, right? Remember those parties that he's confronting and what goes on there? Look what Jesus says. It's causal. Because I told you the truth. That's the reason. That's the delusion. The truth is a delusion. Because I have told you the truth, you don't believe. Wow. You see how that works? Although I tell you the truth, you don't believe. Now, that would be bad enough, right? If you just say, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But it's causal. Because I tell you the truth, that's why you don't, because you don't want the truth. A lot of us in our life, we don't really want anybody to tell us the truth, right? Does this dress really make me look fat? You don't really want anybody to tell you the truth on that. Do I really look bad bald? We don't really want anybody to tell us that. Yeah, wear a hat. Right? I mean, honestly, how many times when you ask somebody, do you really want somebody to tell you the truth? Let's be honest now. Most of the time, not. We don't want anybody to tell us. It's the same thing. I told you the truth. And because I told you the truth, that's the reason you know it. That's the delusion. The truth alone is the thing that's the delusion. God said, oh, no, what's Jesus supposed to do? It is the truth itself which guarantees that they will not believe because they don't want it. And Jesus told them, why? Because you're of your father the devil. That's exactly what he says. 
It's a truth itself which they find so repulsive that it guarantees they won't believe. Well, I ain't listening to that. I don't want to hear that. So what happens? The truth, uh, well, look at this. Because I've told you the truth, that's what it means. So what's Jesus supposed to do, lie to them? He said, I told you the truth. That's why, well, Jesus should be more loving and just lie to them so that they'll, uh, they won't, so they'll believe. He said, oh, no, you're not going to believe. The truth guarantees that you're not going to believe because you don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> By perishing and telling the truth, the truth itself eventually condemns. Wow. John chapter, we know those verses real well, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Going down to verse 17 18. He that believes not is what? Condemned already. Why? Because they don't want to believe. You're going to always do just what you want to do. That's the deal. Jesus can change you want, but that's the only thing he can do. Because we're going to do exactly what we want to do. You know how that goes. We should just be honest. You come to the party. No, I can't. Instead, we say, oh, no, I got this going. Instead, we just say, I don't want to come. You know, let's be honest. I don't want to come. And I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going. I might lie and make up some excuse. Well, I got this going on. Just say, no, I don't want to come. We don't want to do that, though, right? <laughs> but that's what Jesus said. I told you the truth, and you, it turned you against me because you don't want the truth. We don't want the truth most of the time. You hear the truth of the gospel enough times, and it hardens a person's heart, and eventually that's the very thing that condemns a person. They hear it over and over again, and they reject it, and they reject it, and reject it to the point that it won't do anything. That's exactly what it is. By a judicial act of God, God says, all right. That's what he said in Romans. You know, chapter 1. You're talking about all this gender stuff. He made that clear then. Whenever he said, you know, what, is, what did he say? He said they gave up the natural use of the woman, and a woman started being with a woman, and a man started being in, with a man. He says, I turned them over to a reprobate mind. You know what that means? It means they've gotten to the point where it's going to be almost impossible for them to see this is wrong. That's what that means. That's what the word means. He said, all right, you believe your lie. You go on. I'll let you have it. That's a delusion. You don't want the truth. Is that what you want to believe? You go ahead and you can have it. And that's exactly what he did in Romans. He turned it over to him and said, okay. That's what he does. Believe your lie. He said, in believing that lie, that's what 18 says in John. He says, what? And what? And those who believe not are condemned already. Do you, you, you do understand that, right? If you're sitting here today and you've never committed your life to Jesus, you're already condemned. Well, I just hope. No, 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 no. It said you are already condemned. You're just not in that final condemnation place. But you're already condemned. Why? Because you chose not to believe. You can't go back anymore. There comes a time. Isaiah said it. What? Today is a day of salvation. There can come a day when you will no longer see yourself as a sinner, so you will not repent, so you're lost for forever. That's what he means. When he says, okay, I'm going to let you go. And you're in your own sin and unrighteousness. The chance of you ever seeing it are pretty much zero. Not impossible, he said, but pretty much. You know, I've told you that story where we confronted a friend of ours, a, a good friend of ours. She was married, had two kids, and started messing around with another woman, getting off in all this craziness. And she came to visit us, and boy, we just, because we love her. 
I just said, hey, I ain't going to call her name. But just to her face, I said, right now, you see this as sin. If you don't do something about it now, next week, you won't see it as sin, and then you're done. That means you will never repent, and your chances are gone. Oh, that won't ever happen. That's exactly what he says. It can happen that way. Why? Because you get so hard, and you get so hard, and you hear it, and you hear it, and hear it, and you never do anything about it, till one day you don't see it anymore. You know, what's the hardest thing for a, a drug abuser or alcoholic to see? That they have a problem, right? They won't see it. Until they see it, nothing's going to be done about it. The sentence has passed. There are people in the church who have heard the truth over and over and over. My brother's dealing with one of those guys right now. I know him. And he's lost. He's going to die and go to hell if he don't change. And my brother's pretty hard on him. <laughs> you know, my brother, he knows what it is. He's been around the... He'd been around the rodeo a couple of times, you know. So he just lovingly, he's not, he's not nearly as hard as I am, okay. Some people think I'm kind of hard. I'm not, I don't think I'm that hard if you just had known me a long time ago. But he's, he just said, you know, this is a situation you need to deal with it. And, and this guy comes to church every Sunday, and, but he, he never does anything about it. And, somehow, and he knows it's not all right. He's going to get to the point where right now he sees it. He's going to get to the point where he won't ever see it again. And then it's too late. And that's where the end of this thing goes. You know, these false prophets, they're leading you down this gate that looks wide and inviting. And, you know, everything's rosy. And it doesn't have hell written over it. It has heaven written over it. And they're trying to lead you down there. And what's going to happen when you get to the end of that road? I don't know if you've ever done that. You ever gone down a logging road that's really, really wide? Oh, we're going to get across the woods quick on this. And you get down there and there's bamboo everywhere and you can't with thorns in it. Well, I sure wish I hadn't gone down this road, but it's too far to go back. There's no turning back with this one. That's what he says. That's what he says at the end of these verses in chapter 7. Don't play with God. Well, God understands. Oh, he understands. But he already put the consequences out in the beginning. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Read them. The time comes when, out of his judicial purpose, he will so blind you that there's no way back. Why? Because you, re you refuse the truth, and it hardened you to the place where you will never see it again. That's what he's talking about. That's, where it's so, that's why it's so bad. <laughs> you will only be able to believe the lie, and you won't see it as a lie anymore. Right? That's the downfall. That's how this happens. That's how this false prophet stuff happens when it starts that way. You can find somebody to okay any kind of lifestyle you want to live. Boy, have we seen that in the last two years? You know, the so-called evangelical church in America has folded. Uh, they, nobody wants to speak out about this gender issue and say, have you lost your cotton-picking mind? Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to say, well, Jesus loves us. Oh, oh he loves you all right, but he ain't going to let you stay the way you are if you come to him. He'll take you as an alcoholic, but you won't stay an alcoholic. He'll take you as a drug abuser, but you won't stay a drug abuser. That's the way that works. Oh, he just loves us. Oh, he loves you, but never to leave you like you are. That's what redemption is about. John says this, 1 John, same writer who writes the book of Revelation. He says what? Beloved. That was a favorite term of John, almost like he's writing to a family. And Remember, he says, my children, and they were dear to him. Beloved, believe not every preacher. <laughs> you can put that there. 
Believe not every spirit, but prove them. How do we do that? By God's word. God hasn't changed. We're going to see one of these ways the false prophets come along is, I call him the speculator, where, oh, well, you know, God used to say that, but he's changed all that now. Because we voted on it in our church denomination. And God said it was okay. You know, that's what's been going on the last 10 years too, right? Well, if it hadn't been for the African brothers in the Methodist Association, it would have been gone, what, two years ago? Remember when the big vote went on there? They said, oh, no, this is crazy. This is, we're not going to do this. But prove the spirits. That means test them. That means analyze them. That means weigh them. This preacher is saying this. Wait a minute. Is that square with what God's Word said? Well, I don't have a theological degree. You can read, though, can't you? Most of you can read, can't you? Exactly. you got a Bible that's pretty plain on all these issues. You don't have to have a theological education to make something muddy. <laughs> you know? I remember Adrian Rogers said that. Said This lady said to him one day, Oh, our preacher is so, so far over us. There's no way to understand what he says, but we know he's telling us the right thing. <laughs> you know what he said? Just because a river's muddy doesn't mean it's deep. If I have all this great knowledge, I should be able to bring it down to the third grade level. And if I can't, I don't have anything to brag about. I'm going to read something to you. Unfortunate. Billy Graham. Everybody know that name? At the time, Billy Graham, one of his contemporaries, which actually was a friend of his, was Charles Templeton. And everybody said, because this is in their early days when they're starting out, everybody said, basically, oh, Charles is going to be the man. He's going to preach to all the people. They didn't really see Billy Graham as the one who would turn out to be what he turned out to be. Charles Templeton was the man. They said, oh, yeah, he's the one that's going to speak to all these people. Well, uh, I don't know if you know the history there, but he sold out. And he went to Billy, and they were friends, and he wrote a book right before he died in uh, 2001 called Farewell to God. But what he did was he turned his back on the faith, became an atheist, and said, I don't believe in God. It happens all the time. Don't be surprised about that. When you see all these music people here in the last few years, well, I'm really this. Don't be surprised about that. I mean, that's what this whole false thing is about. They just put on a good show, and after a while, you know, whatever's in the bucket's going to come out in the top. Isn't that right? Whatever's in the well's going to come up. That's exactly, you can't get away from that. But this is what happened. Right before he died, he actually said these words. He had nothing negative to say about Billy Graham, and this is what he said. He said, if there was any evangelist that I would ever trust and believe, he said it would be Billy Graham. He had an innocence about him about he believed the Bible. Because here's what happened. Here's the context of what I'm going to read. He went to Billy and he said, you need to quit all this nonsense and go with me to Princeton and, and get a better education because some of this nonsense that you believe about the Bible is not right. Okay? He turned his back on it. So he goes to Billy Graham and he tries to convince him to do it. And this is what he writes actually in the book. He says the context is, is this. I mean, that's what's happening. He's about to go to Princeton and he's trying to get Billy to talk him in to go with him. And he says this, all of our differences came to a head in a discussion, which better than anything I know explains why Billy Graham and his phenomenal success on evangelists took place. He said, this is what explains it. This is an atheist who turned his back, doesn't preach anymore, sold out. Years passed. In the course of our conversation, I said to Billy, but Billy, it's simply not possible any longer to believe. For instance, the biblical account of creation. 
The world was not created over a period of days and a few thousand years. It's evolved over millions of years. It's not a matter of speculation. Now it's a known fact. Well, that's a lie. Still a lie. It's all what? Theory. They ain't proven any of that stuff yet. They're not going to prove it because it's not a fact. I don't accept that, Billy said. And there are reputable scholars who do not accept it as well. Charles said, who are these scholars? All these conservative Christian people that you know? <laughs> Billy says, I believe the Genesis account of creation because it's in the Bible. I don't know what Andy Stanley does with that one. We'll talk about Andy next week. In my book, he's a false prophet now. He knew better, and he sold out. You know, from his concept, you don't need the Old Testament anymore. Well, that's, Jesus needed it. Most of them, yes, he said, but that is not the point. I believe the Genesis count of creation because it's in the Bible. I've discovered something in my ministry. When I take the Bible literally, when I proclaim it as the Word of God, my preaching has power. When I stand up on that platform and I say, God says, or the Bible says, he said the Holy Spirit uses it. Holy Spirit's the power source, if you don't know what that is. There are results. Wiser men than you and I have been arguing about this question for centuries. He said, I don't have the time or the intellect to examine all the sides of this theological dispute. I've decided once and for all to stop questioning the Bible and to believe it as God's word. And that was it. But Billy, I protested, you cannot do that. You don't dare stop thinking about the most important questions in life. Do it and you begin to die. It's an intellectual suicide. That's the way he saw it. Billy said, I don't know about anybody else. But I've decided that's the path for me. And history says what? Probably the only person who's come close to preaching to as many people as Billy Graham was uh, Luis Palau. In South America, Latin American. He preached to a lot of people. We don't really know about him unless you've kind of studied that out. But he probably would be equivalent to Billy Graham. Templeton sold out, just like a lot of these people. Some of them I know personally. They started out believing the right thing, and they sold out for all kinds of reasons. For money, for prestige. We'll talk about that some last week as we look, next week as we look at, okay, these are some of the ways a false prophet is, is displayed. The deceiver. The tricker, the, uh, the, the, the heretic, every one of those, seven or eight of them, just to give you an idea roughly. And I'm going to put some names with all of them. And you say, well, that's not that person. And some of, them, some of them are people probably some of you love. But when you start looking at what they teach, it's not biblical. All kind of ways. And they've gone back on it. But it looks good. You know, it looks good. You better test the spirits. You don't just take what I say. Well, Terry said it, so it must be true. Well, I hope it's true. Here, and part of the reason is this. I believe everything I say up here, Jesus is going to hold me accountable one day. If I intentionally get up here or if I'm just sorry that we can don't study and I get up here and mislead you, boy, I'm going to get it. He's going to hold me accountable for that. Some of these guys don't believe that. Or they sure wouldn't do that. That's what I believe. That's what the Scripture says. I'm going to be held accountable. What did Jesus say? To much is given, much is what? Expected. Absolutely. That's exactly where it goes. Whether they're of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. And this is John writing in the first century. He said they're already here. 
boy, they are here. It warns us over and over and over again. You know, if we haven't learned that in the last two and a half years, how many times did Twitter lie to us? How many times have all these people lied to us? And now it's been revealed that they lied to us. And now the Supreme Court is saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to let them keep doing it. Remember that last thing they've done the last couple of days? Did you all know about that? You know how they pressed it and said, you know, they took it to the Supreme Court where the government could not force the media, you know, that they could have the freedom. You know, that's the whole deal. They proved that Twitter was pressured by the FBI to lie about Hunter and the CDC, to lie about the things about the vaccine. I mean, it's black and white. It's out there. If you only listen to CNN, you won't get it, though. I'm going to tell you that. Well, the headline this morning was the Supreme Court just voted, oh, yeah, the, the government's still going to have the right to censor the media. So don't look for the truth to come out up there on the top. You're going to have to look for it somewhere else. It's the same thing here. We're going to have to constantly be evaluating and say, okay, is this true? But we have a great standard to, to measure it by, God's Word. You just got to read God's Word some. You know, don't get Otis's opinion first. Study it yourself. It's, it's not that complicated. You know, it's pretty simple, actually. They've always been around. Jesus dealt with them. John was dealing with them. Paul dealt with them. What did Paul say? Let no man deceive you. Don't let anybody fool you with empty talk. <laughs> My daddy, I say this all the time. My daddy only had fifth grade education, worked real hard, and uh, had a lot of common sense, though. And uh, unfortunately, I was raised around a lot of fools. You know, I hate to say that, but they were. They're just fools. And, you know, and some of them would come around sometime and they'd say, let's go. I ain't got time for this fool talk. And he was right. Useless, crazy, wasting our time. Don't get caught up in all this crazy fool talk from a theological perspective. A lot of these academia, all they want to do is write some kind of book that sells to somebody doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That just leads them. He said, don't get caught up in all that. Remember, he told Timothy about say, all these wives' tales and all this stuff. He said, don't spend your time on that nonsense. Be careful. He said, look at it. Don't let anybody fool you with empty talk. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. What's that? The wisdom of men. We'll see that one come up when we look at the, the speculator, the prophet speculator. Oh, this is brand new. Oh, the old guys didn't know this, but we got it. We got a brand new vision. Oh, and it's spectacular. You're going to like this one. Oh, no, that's a lie. You know, that's what he says. Vain deceit. <laughs> wow. So the warning begins with a definition. A false prophet is one who does not have a commission from God. And he does not have a word from God. Jeremiah talked about it how many times? That's exactly what he said. They talk about how to be happy. Every day is a Friday. No, it's not. Tomorrow is Monday. What, why do we always look for Friday? Anybody? Hello? Why, was, why when we went to school were we excited about Friday? We out for a few days. It's vacation time. If you don't work but five days a week, Friday means you're, you're off work. You know, it's fitting to get lovely. That's exactly what they preach. How to be healed. How to have this and how to that. 
And it sounds nice. Oh, that's what I want, so I'm going to listen to him. I'm not going to listen to anybody who talks about sin and sin in my own life and something I need to be changed. They, they, oh, they look to be Christian and they look to be clean and they sound good. Look at this one and then we're going to quit because you're about as slow as the first group, I believe. In 100 A.D., there was a book of writings called the Didache, and it was to the churches about how to spot false prophets. How about that? You mean it's been around a long time? Oh, yeah, it's been around since uh, the Old Testament. It's been around since Genesis. Satan was the first false prophet, remember? He told Eve, God didn't say that, did he? Oh, yeah, he did. What does it say? It says they described them as Christ's merchants. You just send $5 and we'll send you a prayer handkerchief. Remember, Robert Tilton made $80 million one year off that. Y'all remember Robert Tilton? You know, he's still on television sometimes. How sucker and gullible people really are in this world. They use Christ, they trade in him for personal gain. And this is what they said, to pad their pockets. They, they're happy Holy Spirit people. Jump up and grab the light and swing around a little bit. You know, that kind of stuff. They don't give you anything to go out there with you on Monday, but, oh boy, while we're here, we're having a good time, right? Look at what it says. They must never ask for anything but bread. If the prophet comes to your town and he asks for money, that's the first sign. He's a false prophet. All he would ever ask for is, I'm, I'm here working. Can you just feed me today? I don't want any money. If they start asking for money, any of y'all been there? Any of y'all ever been to these conferences, Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen? All those free? Hmm. How about that? You mean, well, it takes money to understand God's Word, does it? You know, she flies around in a, I don't know, a Learjet. I don't know how many million dollars, something like that is. Does, does that mean everything they say is bad? Well, here's the problem. If they'll lie about this, how do you know they won't lie about that? Right? If I lie to you about this issue, why do you think I wouldn't lie to you about something else? Well, he ain't going to lie about that. He ain't going to lie about his laptop. He might lie about his laptop, but he ain't going to lie about his daddy's business in the Ukraine. Whoa, what are you talking about? I'm talking about reality. And right? If you lie about one thing, you're pretty sure you're going to lie about something else. Right? I mean, that's the way it is. If he asks for money, he's a false prophet. Boy, that would tear up the television ministry, wouldn't it? Huh? Not all of them ask for money, just 95% of them. <laughs> you know? And they do it whether it's on a video channel, on the Internet. It doesn't really matter. And I understand it takes money to keep that stuff going. But that's what they said. Oh, if you ask for money, you can go in and write that one off. He's a false prophet. Huh. We got to quit. If you read the notes this week, You'll have an idea about how we're going to describe all those other guys and put somebody's name in front of all of them. And that's my opinion. You might say, well, I don't agree with you. That's okay. I don't care. I can tell you why uh, I say they are. And unfortunately, again, some of, them that, some of them I know personally that have sold out and some of them that we used to read that are sold out. And maybe it's some of the reasons why they sold out. Uh, anyway, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that your word is true, that it's an absolute, that it's a criteria by which we can measure everything that anyone says or tries to sell us. We know exactly what you demand from us. 
you know ex- we know exactly what you did for us to be saved and delivered from our sin. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that that's not going to change. We ask you to help us pay attention to what the world tries to sell us. Help us evaluate it by your word so that we can end up in the right place with you because we're trusting you. Thank you for your mercy and your patience with us. In Jesus' name, amen.